Welcome to another Night at the Round Table. I'm David Flora. I'm the host of the Blurry Photos Podcast. What's up, boys? How are you tonight? <laughs> Do you really want to ask that question to us after watching this <laughs> well, movie? I thought I'd ease into this a little bit. We got uh, Justin Zinger from the Zingness Podcast. Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm, I'm doing better if I hadn't watched this movie. Uh, so say we all. There's Saul Ty. <laughs> and uh, from uh, Monsters Among Us, we got Derek Hayes. What's up, Derek? Uh, hello, gentlemen. And I got to say, just when I thought 2020 was out of punches, uh, <laughs> here comes this film and knocks me right in the face. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Round four. Oh, <laughs> uh, round 48 or something. Yeah. Uh, but I'm here. I'm, I'm here and present and, and ready to discuss. So we're going to be talking tonight about the 2020 joint Tesla. All about it's a biopic about Nikola Tesla, who I love. I love the uh, his story, his sad, sad story, uh, but also amazing. He's an amazing figure of history. Uh, actually, my I think third episode I ever did of of blurry photos I think was the Tesla episode. And that was I mean that's a long time ago, and so I was excited to watch this movie. I I didn't know they were even making it. It stars Ethan Hawke. It is directed by Michael Almereda who directed Ethan Hawke in Hamlet, <laughs> which I also didn't see, but that's been a while. And I watched it, and... Okay. Let's talk about it, gentlemen. <laughs> I, need to, uh, I need to talk about this movie. Let's get started. Derek, why don't you tell me about what you... Um, any, any preconceived thoughts you had going into this? Did you have anything that you were thinking this would be or that you would be watching? Well, the fact that you picked it, I knew there was something odd about this film. I, I didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew there was a reason we were watching this. Uh, you know, and I knew a lot about Tesla, or not, not a lot, but about as much as anybody else, I would say. Uh, and I know he's like the Edgar Allan Poe of electricity. So I was expecting like this sad song, uh, kind of depressing film, but uh, I got that. I did, but I got so much more. There's so much more. So much more to unpack here. Uh, I, I don't even know where to begin, so I'm going to start with that, and we'll just do it brick by brick, I guess, and we'll just uh, we'll just build this wall, I guess we'll say, uh, around this film and and seal it away forever. Justin, yeah, yeah. I'm going to pass the torch on to you. You you save me from this before I uh, I go down this rabbit too hole. Too deep, yeah, oh. <laughs> too early, too deep, too early. Well, I would hand you a like ladder to get out of the hole, but instead I'm like diving down with a shovel. I was, oof, this, this was a movie, and knowing <laughs> knowing stuff about Tesla, I'm like, man, they could have gone so many other directions with this, and they didn't. But I am, I am flabbergasted that the human Q-tip himself, Jim Gaffigan, is in this movie. Like, I was like, is that Jim Gaffigan? And it was. Yeah. I was. Yeah. I was. It was astonished to be like, how'd they get him in this? Like seriously. <laughs> I was thinking, how did he get in this? Was the thought I was thinking, but uh, yeah. he was actually pretty decent in it. I didn't think he was distracting or anything, and he certainly looked the part. He played uh, uh, I can't George think of his first name, George Westinghouse. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and he had that facial hair. George Westinghouse did at some point, but yeah, yeah, I I was like, oh, cool, Jim Gaffigan's in this. I can't think of a movie he's been in. Well, while we're talking <laughs> cast and everything, David, do you want to introduce us to uh, the director, the cast, and all that stuff since you picked this monstrosity? Sure, sure. So, you know, Michael Almereda, like I said, uh, he he directed uh, Ethan Hawke before in uh, Hamlet, the New York set, modern Hamlet. He also directed Cymbeline, which I believe also had Ethan Hawke in it. So he loves Ethan Hawke playing uh, Shakespeare characters. And... I get a sense that this dude has a stage background, right? Like he's probably coming from mm. doing a lot of uh, theater. And what else has is he's directed an episode of Deadwood? It looks like. Oh, that's the episode where they got the uh, the iMac, right? For the for the for the bar. <laughs> that's right. That was, that was the episode of. De oh, and they got the the Lincoln uh, convertible too. Showed up that. Time. Yeah. This will all makes sense in like a half hour. They were Googling where to find, you know, gold in the, in the Deadwood area, and, and they just kept saying Google it over and over. So, anyways, I don't know much about this director other than that. Uh, as far as the cast, like we said, Ethan Hawke, Eve Hewson plays uh, the daughter of J.P. Morgan. And if you don't know Eve Hewson, you, you might, if I say she's the daughter of Bono, 
I was shocked to, to learn that myself. <laughs> and what? she was Marion. She was made Marion in, in one of the newer Robin Hoods, the one with uh, the Kingsman and Jamie Foxx. She was in Bridge of Spies. So she's been in some stuff lately, but yeah, daughter of Bono. She's so. really hard to recognize without the purple sunglasses. I found that <laughs> uh, when she's not wearing she them, she just looks them. like yeah. everybody else. Yeah. That's uh, that's some like Soviet era science. Uh, Bono was wearing them when she was conceived, so therefore she came out with them. It just built in. Oh, that Robin you, Hood. Are you seeing her? No, I, yeah, I was. Yeah. I was like, I think I know which one you're talking about, but I wanted to confirm. It wasn't good. It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we've got, uh, like you said, Jim Gaffigan was playing George Westinghouse, who was he was the guy who treated Tesla the best. Really, yeah. he helped him get going. And he did a he did a pretty good job. Now you know we'll say a little bit more about this later. But um, and then Thomas Edison was played by Kyle MacLachlan, who uh, also worked with the director in Hamlet. He played uh, Claudius, I believe. You know who this is? He was Paul Atreides in Dune. Oh no no no! I got another one too. I got a deep cut as well. He was Cliff Vandercave in the Flintstones movie. Oh, sorry. How <laughs> <laughs> can I forget that one? Kyle MacLachlan. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He's from Twin Peaks. Isn't that uh, crazy? Portlandia. Yeah. yeah. He's, I love Kyle McLaughlin. He's, he's one of those weirdos that, uh, you know how I love weirdos. That's why I'm talking <laughs> to you guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know who I really liked in this film was, uh, who played, uh, JP Morgan, uh, Aaron Rodgers. He was really good in that. What else has he been in? Uh, he plays for the Green Bay Packers. Um, <laughs> oh, Derek, you took my This joke. dude looks exactly like Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> mustache and all. Just oh, if, you, if right. you happen to watch the film, don't. But if you happen to watch the film, uh, just just look at J.P. Morgan and tell me that guy doesn't look exactly like Aaron Rodgers. That's hilarious. I'm full of jokes tonight, guys. Oh boy, <laughs> doing great. I mean, if if we're watching things like this that get made, I think we have to be. So, of course, goes without saying by now. Uh, spoilers. We're going to be talking about this and and picking it apart and um, giving some some pretty uh, some pretty solid opinions on this thing, but. Um, if you want to watch it, I'd, I'd say, I don't know. You know what? You do you. Listen to this and then watch it or watch it and then come back and listen to this to try and hash out your thoughts. But um, I'm going to I'm going to say this now. If you want to make a drinking game out of inaccuracies or just weirdly done stuff, don't don't do that with this movie. You will die. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we say that every time we do one of these episodes. I think that's why we got to do them. So <laughs> it's our duty. This movie, I, I'll tell you what, let me, let me just get us started here with, I thought this was going to be a biopic of Tesla's life. I was really excited to watch it. And for about 20 minutes, it was. And then all of a sudden, the fourth wall is completely shattered and they start talking to the, to the camera. And then it's like, what, what are we watching? Is this a documentary? Is it a biopic? Is it some some like uh, senior college thesis? Thank you, like, thank you. Yes, Google commercial, perhaps a Google commercial. Yeah, for me, it not only does it go off the rails, it like goes into the village, sits down at the pub, and gets a drink. It is amazingly derailed in this. Like after it's been established that it's a movie, in my opinion, like I thought I was still watching a movie. And then all of a sudden, they start talking to the camera, and Bono's daughter pulls up a, a laptop and is like, here's all the, the Google searches you can do on images of between Edison and Tesla. There's this many for in Edison. In character. She's still in character. In, in character That's, as J.P. Yes. Morgan's daughter. That's what got me. Like, if it was her, like, dressed in more mo like modern day clothes and having it be, like, something to where it's completely apart from her character, it would have been, like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but it's her narrating, talking to the camera in period clothing with a laptop and a projector <laughs> and a projector. And speaking of that, then we start getting these interspliced scenes where Tesla goes up to Tesla, Ethan Hawke goes up to an obvious theater backdrop and acts like he's like on the in the plains on uh, uh, in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Or he's like looking at a storm, you know, out over the prairie and there's wind and everything. They really tried to make it look real. And it was so 
obvious it was a black box studio. It's like a high school AV club level yes. green screen that's going on here. And they're not trying to play it off as theater, which makes sense to me. But yeah, I, I guess maybe they are. But if they're adding the wind and all this, I don't know. The whole thing just didn't play. It didn't play. for. It was too, uh, it was like a ping pong ball. It didn't have yeah. a, a trajectory. It was just all over the place. It's like, oh, let's do this to the point where they're throwing iPhones into the film that's taking place in the 1880s. <laughs> okay. Okay. You that you're you're talking about the one scene with um Edison and him at that restaurant and he pulls out a like Edison has a cell phone randomly. Yeah, he's got an iPhone. He <laughs> yeah. goes up to the bar and orders a, a a coke. He drinks it out of the glass and then pulls out of his uh, like triple breasted jacket or whatever they wore back in the 1880s. Pulls out his iPhone and just starts going to work. And this is in the film. Like this isn't a mistake. This is part of the story. Like is there's just no linear line to it at all were they filming the actor just in between (laughs) scenes like i saw that and i'm like wait it happened (laughs) i I guess to to my knowledge it happened twice and you guys you know if there's another one i'm missing remind me but like outside of the music yeah there was two music cues that played uh contemporary well sort of contemporary music right but there were two times where it went back to like the uh, the life of of Tesla the like it was an actual film, and then they they did a scene and then Bono's daughter comes in and is like, except that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah that happened a few times. <laughs> and it's like, don't do that. Like, why? 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 And and even worse, it starts that whole trend with them eating ice cream cones and <laughs> sticking the ice cream cones in each other's faces. I knew we were in trouble right then. At that point, I was concerned about the Google searches mid-film, but when they started putting ice cream cones in each other's faces, seriously, deadpan too, uh, I knew this was going to be a ride. And I still had like an hour and 31 minutes or something left to go. Well, I'll tell you what got me was the fact that Ethan Hawke's Nikola Tesla looked about as excited as I did to watch the film as he was to be in the film. <laughs> That's 100% accurate. <laughs> Let's talk about the performances then real quick before we go. I mean, we're the thing about this thing is it's making me bounce around like a ping pong ball. You so, have to, yeah. Uh, so, okay, so what did you think of, of Ethan Hawke as Tesla? The most interesting whisper talker I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> What was the accent? I, I know Tesla's from Serbia, or uh, what was, Not what the was it at the time? the accent that was in the movie. That's definitely a thing. Oh my gosh. I don't know what that was. His his buddy, who was also in from Serbia, had a completely different accent than Tesla did. <laughs> I'll tell you two things I know for sure. Ethan Hawke doesn't talk like that with that accent, and neither did Nikola Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what he was trying. It was such a half accent like i don't think he half ass tried it i just think it was a weird choice that that was not even close to being online you know yeah yeah lack of direction i would probably uh throw the blame at it, it you know when you're you make a decision like that and if the director producer whoever's in charge sees it and is seeing that this isn't working at that point, you kind of have to pull the plug and start over. And I think they were maybe too far into it to, you know, we can't reshoot five, six days worth just because Ethan Hawke was mumbling some strange accent. We got to we got to keep going with this. Yeah, uh, that seemed to be the motto of this of this production. We're just going to keep going regardless of whether or not we should. Jim, Jim Gavigan, I thought, did OK with with his part. But I do just just to come on the heels of what you were saying, Derek. I, I think that direction was sorely lacking in this, or maybe it was over-directed. It just felt like they took a stage play and tried to make half of it a movie. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, I would agree with that uh, completely. Uh, you know, I haven't seen anything this jarring. This is away from the performances. This is more just the the, the film itself. Since uh, Westworld, you know, that first episode of Westworld where you're like, oh, Western, I love Westerns. And then there's all these digital things showing up all of a sudden, like, what what the hell's going on? At least that That's makes sense, though. Feeling. It, 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 well, they explained it in, in Westworld. <laughs> you know, there's there's a reason for everything there. Here, it's just 
I still have no idea why there was a cell phone or projector or laptop or Tears for Fears or any of this stuff in the 1880s. I don't get any of it. So, um, interesting side note, and I don't know this off the top of my head. This is thanks to Wikipedia, so I am not taking credit for this. Uh, the director acquired a Hollywood agent on the strength of his spec script about Nikola Tesla. So this sounds like something... I mean, he had this spec script back, uh, he's been active since 85, so, I mean, Hmm. I don't know, I I, I guess that kind of adds weight to this, that this is a passion project, and if this is your passion, woof. (laughs) I'm all about taking chances, I I really am, and being creative and trying different approaches, but for this one, it just didn't land for me, it was... Uh, Tesla's too known of a character. He's not even that popular of a character, honestly, but people know who he is, especially now with Elon Musk and all this other stuff, uh, to to not give them the fair treatment. You know what I mean? Like you can't. Yeah. It'd be like uh, doing a Jesus biopic right now and he's an Apple store salesman instead of a carpenter. <laughs> like you, you can't. I, can I guess that would it. probably be a movie. I'm sure there's a lot of people going, oh, I'd watch that. But uh, it, it's just. <laughs> It's just a weird, it's just too weird. That's the problem. It's too strange for me to get behind. Yeah, it's got so many different moving parts. Uh, they they kind of really come in conflict with each other throughout the thing. Uh, and I'm, I'm with you, Derek. Like, I, I'm all for taking chances and, and trying something new. This, it did not work. It was like he had this idea to marry film, theater, and documentary all together into one piece and it came out um high school science project too like an awful frankenstein yeah yeah like it it just it just didn't work together this way i think there's a there's a idea there but not for this i'll piggyback on that and i don't want to sound like a know-it-all but i feel like there's a way they could have avoided this by uh, if they're going to use the cell phone, the computer, the technology angle, use it throughout the film. Don't use it two times like obscurely and expect us to understand what's going on. You got to adopt that throughout the movie uh, or some sort of, of rhythm to it. Like all the scenes that didn't happen the way that uh, would she say it didn't really happen this way. Maybe all of those scenes involve technology, but the scenes that really took place were just plain old 1880s. Uh, United States or, you know, whatever the situation yeah. is, there's, there's ways you could have done it where it wasn't so jarring. And unfortunately, I don't think they they paid attention to that. Well, I when I watched the trailer, because for some reason I was like, oh, I'll watch the trailer for this. So I kind of vaguely know what I'm in for. I still didn't know what I was in for. I thought because because in the trailer, it actually shows them using the cell phone and, you know, the projector and everything. So I'm like, maybe it's some weird like it's Tesla, but there's modern day technology around somehow or something like that. Like it's some storytelling thing. I'm like, but no, apparently it's just never truly explained and makes it off putting and weird and other adjectives. Derek, you've got a, that trailer. Uh, I have the trailer queued up. queued up. Should, should we play it real quick? Let's, let's, let's do play a, the trailer. a piece of it. Sure. Is nature a gigantic cat? No. Yes. <laughs> And if so, who strokes its back? May I introduce the brilliant Nikola Tesla, the greatest inventor of the age. If you Google Nikola Tesla, you get 34 million results. This is where I started to worry. It's basically just four pictures. <laughs> Beyond that, things get murky and more imaginative. How does that work? I forgot about that. Edison. You got a light? Got a light. Oh, Tesla. <laughs> Didn't see you there before. I now have the pleasure of introducing you to a novel system of energy, alternate currents. This will transform the way the world works. No, no sparks. sparks. It's perfect. Where have you been hiding? Alternating current is a waste of time. <laughs> they took all the best scenes and put them in the trailer. Deadly. They really did. <laughs> Doesn't everyone? You lack funding. Mr. Tesla thinks I owe him money. What was it, $50,000? Yes. <laughs> you want lemonade? <laughs> right so so that happened <laughs> you're, you're right like they took all the best stuff especially like they took most of all the period piece stuff and put it in the trailer and then they they 
they mentioned a little bit about the the Google, and then they showed the the phone. It makes it compelling, right? If you didn't know what this was, you'd be like, "Oh, I want to, I want to see this movie about Nikola Tesla," right? The the trailer does a good job of making it look interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like again, that kind of speaks to what I was talking about a little bit ago. If they would have adopted this theme throughout the film, I feel like people could have got on board with it a little more. And by the way, the the, the reviews for this film are not good. Uh, I think the budget was about $5 million. And what I looked, I looked right before, actually, I have it up. Uh, I think it brought in $355,000 on its return. Worldwide. So that's worldwide. Yeah. That's not good. That's awful. That's, that's yeah. pretty bad. That's the kind of movies I used to work on. <laughs> <laughs> did you work on this movie? No, unfortunately, I did not. I, I wished I, I could have saved some of this from happening. You know, there's there's uh, there's all kinds of stuff we got to talk about here. But there's a scene where Ethan Hawke just suddenly shows up with a, a microphone. Here's the modern other day. Uh, modern day modern day microphone. Yeah, they they really set it up and starts singing "Tears for Fears." Yeah, they they didn't set it up, did they? It just kind of showed up out of nowhere, right? It was set up as in like. And then Tesla got screwed over again. And then, you know, he like walks onto the karaoke stage and here we go. It's like so on the nose. They play Tears for Fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. He's, he's dealing with Westinghouse, uh, Edison, J.P. Morgan, like all these powerhouses. Uh, it's too on the nose for me. But yeah, here, here's a, a sample of that song. I'm not sure how much we're allowed to play without Tears for Fears running us down, but... I think this was from the rap party. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Like <laughs> it is, it is a projection of clouds behind him in front of a mic. And it is the most karaoke stereotypical thing you, you can imagine. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's, here's the thing. I want to know if you guys agree with me or, or, or felt the same way. There's about 10 to 15 seconds of Ethan Hawke with this microphone while the intro to everybody wants to rule the world is playing and he's not singing. He's just kind of standing there. Yep, and I'm thinking, is he going to be amazing or is he going to be terrible? Is he going to sing with a weird accent? Like the suspense was killing me. What is he about to do here? And then I'm so disappointed where he starts mumble singing. That's what he's <laughs> essentially sounding like. And I'm, Oh my God, this is awful. Yeah. Did you guys think that? Did did you have that curiosity thinking this might this might actually be a good performance or did you know no. we were screwed? No. When that music started playing, I was like I'm gone. I'm out. <laughs> I I was in the same boat. Like by the time we got here I'm like um is this not over yet? Why are we still here? What is going on? Help me. I'm actually glad it happened because I didn't think the film could get any more ridiculous and God help me. I was wrong. <laughs> that was, that's pretty amazing. I don't know, man. I think the the film suffered from, oh, okay. So let me say this. I thought that maybe the film got screwed over by COVID and that's no, why I it was this weird mishmash of how they did like a few actors in a black box with like scenes that were projected onto a backdrop because they couldn't get out to places to shoot or it was a stage adaptation that they couldn't, you know, wrap their heads around, but it wasn't, it was all choices. Yeah. I, you know, I thought the exact same thing. I was watching this and I thought, oh man, there's a production that got cut down Yeah, and because a lot of people don't know this, but most films, not all, but most films don't film in sequence. They'll film the last 10 seconds first or, you know, it's just all out of order. It's just whatever works best for the budget, location, uh, actor schedules, that sort of thing. So I thought maybe they shot half of this because the, the period stuff looked good. The, the wardrobe yeah. looked good. The locations looked good. Uh, there was no doubt about any of that stuff. Then we have these weird green screen uh, moments, or it's not even green screen. It's like a it's projected background from like 35 millimeter or eight millimeter or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they would, they would throw that in there and it was, and I was thinking, well, this really doesn't apply. So they had to have run into some sort of production issues. Uh, but maybe it's that they spent all their budget on actors because the, the cast in this is pretty decent considering the product. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, it premiered at Sundance in January of 2020. So, I mean, this was yeah. completely oh, okay. unaffected. Yeah, so, uh, I, I saw that too, in, in, and that's how filming. I knew in that filming. wasn't the... That's true. Of it. Yeah, yeah you're right. So, I don't think it was affected in budget or anything else either. This was destined to end up where it is, regardless. Derek, you were talking about the reviews being critical, and and on IMDb, like most of the reviews on there are pretty pretty pitiful. And I think most of the people who are not totally professional amateurs <laughs> like us, but um, not complete like Hollywood critics, were tearing it down. But all the reviews I was seeing, including like Rolling Stone and some others that were Hollywood elite critics, what I would consider. We're like singing this thing's praises. Hmm. And I'm like, you watched a different film, you fool. <laughs> like or, none of these choices make sense or are good. What are you talking about? Or they just they just got wrapped up in the flash of it all. Uh, and that happens a lot uh, where you have all these toys at your disposal. So you use every single one of them. Like maybe they were sitting down and. In some sort of uh, production meeting, thinking, oh, well, we can let's let's implement new technology somehow, like contemporary technology. And everybody loves the idea, but nobody really thought it through. So they just literally throw it like, oh, it'd be great if you sat down at the bar with an iPhone. But they don't think about the consequences of doing that story wise or visually. And they again, they didn't do it consistently enough that it. Uh, made sense through the. Fi- uh, I'm just com- right. beating a dead horse here. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, um, I I I know that this. I, speaking of being a dead horse and speaking of lowest common denominator, I did unfortunately go to uh, Rotten Tomatoes, and this movie has a 60 percent on the tomato meter, which technically means not rotten. Wow. But the audience score is only a 43, and there is a review I want to read real quick. The period details are on sp- are spot on. Okay, the performances are sly and smart, but lack of consistent tones hurts the movie. I I, I think that's I think that's very generous. Um, I I think that's too generous. (laughs) So Ethan Hawke's too old to play Nikola Tesla at any age. Well, maybe. So Nikola Tesla starts working for Thomas Edison in his what, 20s or something. Ethan Hawke looks like a 40, 50 year old man. The whole time, he looks the exact same from a period of Nikola Tesla being like 20 to, to Nikola Tesla's like 50. He yeah, looks the same. It's a good point. I didn't think of that. And and that was very jarring for me. Just the, the things they focused on and the, thing, the, the stories they told, they didn't focus hardly anything on the technology that he brought. They focused on uh, his, it, the, the women in his life, which is uh, Bono's daughter and then Sarah Bernhardt. You were talking about being on the nose with something. There was a scene there where he was selling this um, generator that gave off no sparks, no electrical sparks. And then Bono's daughter shows up and they just kept saying, there's no sparks, there's no sparks. And it was clearly obvious they were eye screwing each other the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) See, I thought the no sparks was in reference to the film. There's absolutely no spark throughout the entire movie. And I thought that was kind of... Uh, I'm joking around, but again, I, that again really, on the nose. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it really did sum up the film. There was no, absolutely no sparks, and I mumbled it to myself actually. Yeah, yeah, like it was so blatant. One of those scenes where it's like the dialogue doesn't match the action. Oh, isn't that very creative? Oh my! And the dialogue was so bad too, and and, and we early on we discovered that very early yeah. on. It just seemed like the acting was, although they had good actors, the acting was very stilted. And I feel like it was as if you were given the script the day before or the day of, and then had to go out and do those lines with the director just worrying about when he could get the next iPhone in the scene or the next ice cream cone. (laughs) Like, there was no real direction given. There was nothing that was like, let's try this again. And encompass this character a little bit or like feel this out instead of just delivering the line to get to the next scene. I don't know. I, <laughs> You know what was lacking? And I just it, this just dawned on me, really, was character development. They, they didn't yeah. develop a yeah. single character in this 
Uh, we were thrown into the story. Obviously, we know who Tesla is, but I didn't have a clue who anybody else was until they were, you know, introduced sporadically throughout the film. In fact, uh, J.P. Morgan's daughter, Anne, was in the film for, what, 25, 30 minutes before we even realized her name, who she was, or anything like that. I, I realize it's probably a bad example because that was a bit of the mystery and the allure of her character, but they did that with every single character. They didn't really uh, introduce us to anybody. It was just a lot of arguing, a lot of asking for money, and it was like <laughs> my show, essentially. <laughs> essentially. Uh, a guy mumbling that nobody could understand. Yeah, it was my nice. show. Yeah. Well, <laughs> some weird music that didn't fit in there. Hold, wait on him. Hold a minute here. Well, here's the other thing. Like when they were doing the whole battle between um, Edison and Tesla over the currents, they got into the electric chair thing. I'm like, oh, sweet. They're going to go this direction with it because it's an interesting story on like what Nikola Tesla and Westinghouse did to try to be like, we don't want to be associated with the electric chair and what Edison did to basically have them associated with the electric chair. It's a super interesting story that this movie completely ignores. You're talking yeah. about the elephant? Yeah. No, there's so much like stuff that happened, like Edison basically electrocuting everything he could find. And I think the elephant was later, but still, he electrocuted a ton of dogs and stuff to be like, see, this is great to electrocute people with, unlike my DC current, yeah, which is totally safe. <laughs> they they definitely nodded to it. I mean, I think they had a, a dog yelp yep. after, electric, uh, after a switch was pulled at one part, but there were so many stories to tell uh, in, the, in the Tesla story, and they picked his relationships with women the most. And how he, he kept asking for money? Like, that's, it's so weird. Well, you forget about the one time that Nikola Tesla helped uh, Wolverine defeat Batman. When they were both magicians. <laughs> oh, I no, didn't I, get that I reference until just now. Black Widow was there too. But, by the way, if you want if you want a better portrayal of Nikola Tesla, just go watch The Prestige instead. He's like in it oh, for like for five sure. minutes and it's... A million times, times. better. Yeah. yeah. Was that Bowie? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bowie and here. Okay, th this movie is chock full of people. By the way, um, not this movie, the good prestige movie we should have watched instead. Uh, <laughs> not not only is Bowie in it, but his assistant is Andy Circus. Yeah, he is. as oh. somebody, as Tesla's assistant. Yes, <laughs> as the guy that actually has a Serbian accent. Yes, it was so good. Yeah, that was that was amazing. Like if you gave me a film of that, you know, I. I'd be, I would be on in Rolling Stone singing the praises. I would force my way into the Rolling Stone office, pretend I was someone else there, edit it, and and get it out to the masses before they even knew what hit them. Like that's that's the kind of movie I want. I want to go and break into Rolling Stone and write a good article about it. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't they give me that? <laughs> you know what this movie reminded me of was uh, I think it was called The Raven. It was John Cusack yeah. as Edgar Allan Poe. What Po. an awful movie. And it just yeah. took a tragic, beautiful story of Poe and, and you know, the losses in his life and the hardships. And there's a great story to be told there. And they had to interject like comic book style action into. Yeah. And thrillers kind of macabre thriller. Yeah. It, it, all of it's fabricated. Like there's absolutely not a shred of truth in any of it. Much like this film, like I bet you there's next to nothing in there that was factual. Well, it's it's all factual, but it's so brushed over and so ignored to focus on a love story that I I didn't I like it took me a while to actually be like, oh, they're actually going after his romantic interest. I didn't realize Tesla had those, huh? And that's the thing, like he really didn't because they and and go back to your character development. Uh, take on it Derek it was so brushed uh, over like you like you guys said with his OCD and the proclivities that he had which included they did it once in the movie where he was like oh you're wearing pearls I can't stand pearls and then that was it <laughs> and, and it's like yeah he had a just a crazy... really weird thing for a vampire I thought yes <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking but uh, he, in real life, he had this insane aversion to pearls, pearl necklaces, and he hated hair. He couldn't touch hair. He couldn't be around hair that much. So, like, 
they very slightly played up his his OCD and some of the the tics that he had, but they didn't develop it. They didn't explain it. They didn't say anything. It was just like I'm roller skating through this mansion. Oh, you've got pearls on. I'm averted to pearls. I, what is this? That that seems like it was improv. You know, I'm curious. What year were roller skates invented? Oh, uh, we're we're gonna go with that <laughs> as as the. As a common denominator yeah, you here. got a problem with that. I mean, you, you guys do know that the mustache <laughs> wasn't invented until the 1910s, right? So that factual inaccuracy is in this movie. So were the ice cream cones in that scene that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Those are the Those ones were... you buy at, like, Ralph's or something. Well, actually... I guess you can't say that if they're having an iPhone in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we draw the line with the ice cream cones. <laughs> well, actually, David, that's a good question. Why wasn't your facial hair in this movie? Did 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 not get the role? That was how they told you he was a uh, had an aversion to hair. Ah, oh, boy. <laughs> you know, I, I look for weird things in films. Uh, I'm a big attention to detail kind of guy. So, did you see the price did... tag on the bottom of the cup he was drinking out of? I did. <laughs> okay, yeah, good, and, good, and, good. And the, thank God. And the bottle, <laughs> and the bottle of sparklets water he had on the table. Uh, the the scene where he had to present to uh, an auditorium full of people uh, for, I can't remember what it was, alternating current probably. I, I looked at every face in that crowd and they all had like the stylized mustaches and the mutton chops. They looked the part. They did a really good job with a lot of that stuff. And so that makes it really disappointing that they didn't follow through with the rest of it. Or they followed through with a terrible plan, one or the other, in my opinion, oh. a terrible plan. I just, I just want a, a film about Nikola Tesla. That's all I want. You, I just, you have it. It's called The Prestige. <laughs> if I had, a, if I had ninety minutes of that, Justin, I would, I would absolutely be completely satisfied and happy. <laughs> Instead, we got this flaming pile of dog garbage. <laughs> you know, you mentioned Sarah Bernhardt, uh, who was a, I think she was a French actress. And yeah. she was like one of the most famous actresses of all time mm-hmm. up until, you know, moving pictures. She's kind of a, a eccentric character anyway. She slept in a coffin. They mentioned that in the film, but she did sleep in a coffin. Uh, later in life, actually had her leg amputated and it was bought by Barnum and Bailey's. That sounds about right. Oh my God. And they put it on display in a, in a jar of chlorophyll fill or what, chloroform. Chloroform, yeah, chlorophyll <laughs> turned it real green, uh, you know, alcohol, whatever. So they put it in a jar of solution, and uh, they took it on tour. So there was a, I remember, I think Tom Waits told this story. There was a, a particular time when she was performing at seventy some years old, playing Juliet, and across the street, Barnum and Bailey was set up. And they were charging more to see her leg than you could pay to see the rest of her perform across the street. <laughs> that st- the second I saw her character come up, I got super excited because I love that story. I don't know if it's true or not. I, she did lose a leg. so And they did recently find that leg. Uh, 2008, they found it in a storage uh, oh something, uh, like a, a building with all this macabre stuff in it. Like, oh, it's Sarah, Sarah Bernhardt's leg. And they dusted it off. And there it is. Um Man, she literally gave a piece of herself to the stage. She she left it on the stage. Oh, she did. Well, she makes a joke about dying every night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they loved her death scenes. I, I love that. I love that an actor uh, was playing at two different venues at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. You guys, I I just wanted to see a Nikola Tesla. Oh, it's such a, he's got such an interesting story. And like you said, Derek, he he's known. People know the name, but they don't know all the ins and outs. Like we got nothing about the um, how how he got over here with like four cents in his pocket or whatever, and we got nothing about how he ended up old in a in a New York hotel and loved a pigeon. None of this stuff. How he built the, the Warden Cliff in Jersey, but it didn't get finished because Morgan pulled the the funding. We got a taste of that, but not. In Colorado, like it, there's so much to his life that they yeah, the just, stuff he invented, like radar, stuff, for for yeah. instance, X-ray, death beams. Oh wait, he he muttered. Sorry, he muttered about the death beams, <laughs> and he also muttered about the aliens contacting him. So there's your yeah, close no, reference. He, he did think that uh, Mars was trying to uh, signal Earth, but they think it was probably um, Marconi's radio signals which were new at the time, traveling across the, the ocean. 
and that's what he was picking up. But yeah, it, he did think that Mars was trying to contact Earth. You know, the only thing more tragic than than Tesla's story is this film. <laughs> like it literally is. Like the only the only thing that's worse. I can't deny it. Yeah. I mean, the guy the guy had tough luck. Again, I'll, I'll parallel him to somebody like Edgar Allan Poe that just couldn't catch a break. But here we are in Tesla's case, like 150 years later, talking about the dude uh, to this day. And like, we're excited about it. You know, I want to learn more about the guy. You, you, we all do. True. Um, yeah. Hopefully one of these days people will recognize that thirst and, and deliver some factual information to us for once and, and, and quit doing this stylized garbage. Yeah. yeah. These biopics. I, I watched the queen biopic was terrible or the Freddie Mercury. That was bad. Um, yeah, just all yeah. these biopics lately are just atrocious. I, Rocket I, Man I, was interesting. Um, I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, it same. wasn't. Uh, it wasn't terrible, but um, I feel like it. It focused on a very small part of Elton John's life, <laughs> <laughs> like up until the part where he kind of like cleaned up and and got his life on track. Really, is is what they showed. <laughs> I felt the same way with that with the Queen biopic that they kind of picked and chose a lot of the story to tell and. And a lot of it was super convenient, which is the case with a lot of these biopics where they have, well, we got 30 seconds to describe this 10-year portion of his life. What do we got? Mm. <laughs> What's the one cliche moment that's going to sum up this period? And a lot of times they're forced They're forced to do that. I'm sure I'm sure it's hard to write that for, you know, two hours, for, for a two-hour script. It's hard to fit in what you, what you need. And then it's hard to get producers to, to get on board too, I'm sure. And then you have to have like iPads and stuff like that. Uh, like you, this, you sold yeah. the you sold the advertising rights to it, so you got to work those into the film somehow. And <laughs> then you realize halfway through, well, this film takes place in the 19th century, so this is going to be difficult. But we'll find a way. Figure it out. Not my problem. <laughs> they yeah. did. Let's let's just put a stage backdrop and and then just parade them in front of it. Maybe we'll throw some water on them and and some wind, and it looks like he's at Niagara Falls. <laughs> They they had to make their budget any way they could. At a certain point, uh, Jim Gaffigan just turns to us and goes, "Hot pocket," <laughs> and then you see the logo like fade at the bottom of the screen for a b- brief second. It made me real hungry. It's very effective. <laughs> not hungry enough for a hot pocket, but I was pretty hungry. <laughs> yeah, God, I'm not desperate. <laughs> this film sponsored by Steakums. So, Ooh. yeah, Steakums. All right. Final thoughts, you guys. What do, what do you think in here, Justin? Let's start with you. Go watch the press stage. <laughs> <laughs> if if you've made it to this point and you're still on the fence, just go watch the press stage. It's Wolverine versus Batman. They're magicians. Um, this this uh, I was about to say the Scarlet Witch. No, um, Black Widow's in it. Um, Michael Caine's in it. Uh, Alfred. Uh, yeah, Alfred's in it. Um. Bowie's in it, and um, Andy Sir. So Gollum's in it too. You've got plenty of other reasons. To <laughs> I would <laughs> say I, I don't think it's David, but I think it's literally Nikola Tesla and and Gollum. Like you could yeah. just tell me if if Wolverine, <laughs> Batman, uh, Black Widow, Alfred are in it, then Nikola Tesla's in in that. Compared to this, yeah. <laughs> just go watch that instead. I feel it's more factually accurate at some point. <laughs> Eric, what'd you think? Well, I'm going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum and say this movie is so bat beep crazy that uh, you have to go watch this. Uh, even if you're just fast forwarding through, just look for the moments where they they shoehorn in technology or uh, where he's singing karaoke or just just skim through it. If you're bored late at night, you can't sleep or whatever. It's on Hulu. Go check it out. Trust me. Uh, don't watch the whole thing. It's an hour and 43 minutes of your life. Oh, You'll mumbling. never get back. But <laughs> mumbling, but you know, if you skim through it, look some of these these scenes that we're talking about, you'll you'll get a kick out of it. Especially if you lis- if you've listened to this podcast here, uh, I think you'll enjoy at least parts of this. Yeah, you know, I kind of tend to agree with you, Derek. I th- I think this is kind of a sideshow thing. It's a freak show, like <laughs> train wreck. It, train it's wreck, a train. Right? It's a train wreck. You you gotta if you want to see how a movie can derail and just surprise you every time uh, one of the train cars flips over, you know, watch <laughs> this. Like this, this will do it for you because you are taken out of your suspended disbelief. And, and Annie told me this, like she watched it with me. She said this too. She was like, I think in the theater, if this were a, a play, we would have a better time with it and enjoy it more and believe it more 
because there's this social contract of suspension of disbelief that's stronger in a theater than it is with a $5 million budget film that you're watching on your couch. And if you watch it, be prepared to be smacked in the face a few times with the different directions that they take. You're just going to be sitting there thinking the movie's going along just fine. And then all of a sudden Bono's daughter's talking to you about Google and Ethan Hawke (laughs) is singing karaoke for you. It's, it's something, man. You really touched on something though, in comparing it to like a stage play, because I, I, when I lived in LA, I watched a lot of theater. I had a lot of friends that were actors and they're always like, Oh, come see my show. And you kind of have to. Yeah. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so I saw a lot and there was some really good stuff and it was really imaginative and they would do stuff like this where they would try to, I remember there was one we watched, it was called uh, Sunny Day, I believe. And it was actually about the uh, assassination of JFK and it was prompted basically like a Manchurian candidate uh, where the second Lee Harvey Oswald tasted Coke, he got his mind flipped and turned him into a killer. <laughs> Coca-Cola. Oh, <laughs> so it, so it was a really it was a really decent play. I really enjoyed it, but it was it took some liberties with the story, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and you're able to suspend that belief because it's just people on a stage, you know, with with cardboard cutouts for for desks and you know stuff like that. So you suspend all that belief, but in a film, you expect a certain amount of uh, reality that in this case wasn't delivered, and I think that's the hard pill for us to swallow is that there was some reality and then there was some alternate universe that it was really hard for us to tell the difference between the two yeah so so question no i, I want to know with this play did um lee harvey oswald google kennedy to figure out everything about him and why he had to kill him <laughs> did he, did he google the path he would he's gonna drive through dallas <laughs> <laughs> well he had this little device and he punched a bunch of numbers and ziggy told him exactly what he should do <laughs> perfect that's a joke for all you 80s babies out there nice. or 90s babies i guess Jeez. oh boy <laughs> quantum I'm leap ba- I'm, I'm, don't know what I'm barely about. able to get that reference like it took oh, me a man. minute Oh, like, no, it took me that. as long as you did to get the Wolverine versus Batman thing. <laughs> well, we've dated ourselves, I guess. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe maybe I have a different perspective because, you know, I I come from a theater background. That's that's how I trained as an actor. And, and I'm recognizing a lot of stuff that, I'm, that I saw in this film as in the stilted ways they were delivering the lines, the weird black box backdrops and how they tried to marry everything together. It just seemed like you guys are trying to put two ends, two opposite ends of the magnet together here. And it's just not, just didn't work for me. And, um, I just, I just want a real Tesla movie at some point with someone who can do an accent. You know what it almost seems like is there was two units on this. There was a main unit and a secondary unit. And, (laughs) <laughs> there was two different scripts and they didn't yeah there was no communication like one thought it was, this like was a period piece yeah. yeah this was a straightforward period piece and the other unit's like oh yeah this no the director said we can have all kinds of technology in this so hey throw me your iPhone Gus and uh, what else she got over there oh I got that microphone cue that thing up Ethan what yeah. do you want to sing what's your favorite song yeah. dude what you got on your playlist right now bro what's on your Spotify <laughs> it just bro went wild and then the editor's like oh no <laughs> what do I do with this and he's just got yeah. a pile of footage and then and then the costume designer is is like uh, special teams which is like the best part of the, the team <laughs> yeah never yeah. miss a field goal that's where you win or lose games right there <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm, they lost this one but it looked good they they did uh, a good job <laughs> i'm wondering what the cigar budget was on this film too quite a few yeah <laughs> yep Jeez. I mean, knowing knowing that though, knowing what if it was like coming from a stage show, they were all fake and they were like puffing out uh, talcum powder or something. <laughs> That's what we had to use on stage. <laughs> use cigarettes that puffed out like powder. Ugh. Uh, anyway, hey, that's Tesla 2020 <laughs> with Ethan Hawke and Bono's daughter. Um, hey, this isn't even the worst thing that happens this year. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just consider it that way. And this isn't even in the top 100, I don't think. Man, 
I, I'm. It, it's probably the the perfect year to view this in because any other year it would have just ruined it for me. <laughs> it's not year. even the worst movie this year. I think Cats came out this year too, didn't it? No, oh, man. Wait, wait, wait. And they're still did, talking did, about how bad that one was. Did we finally get the butthole oh, version? <laughs> have we done butthole a roundtable on it yet, Justin? <laughs> no. So obviously, well then we no. haven't got the. <laughs> Is that your next pick, Cats? The butthole cut. <laughs> I'll see if I can't pull some strings. <laughs> just like a cat. <laughs> um, cool. All right, gentlemen, thanks for joining. Tell us, uh, real quick where we can find you and everything. You can find monsters among us on Thursdays, uh, basically anywhere you can find podcasts. And on Sundays, you can find me on television, paranormal caught on camera, uh, travel channel at 9 PM Eastern, 6 PM Pacific. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Cats was barely in 2019, by the way. So it just That's squeaked by Christmas, didn't it? Yeah, uh, but you can find me not watching the Cats movie uh, on my podcast, Zing This, where we talk about nerdy topics every week, and uh, I hope I never... Ha- you know what? I'm going to make a episode about The Prestige, because, you know, it's a better movie than this by far. Also, um, David, you're in, you're in timeout for a while for movies. <laughs> I agree with Justin on this one. <laughs> All right, I'll take two you, off. You're like, oh, for a thousand on, on this. What was your last one before this that was really bad? By Yorona, wasn't it? Oh, man. Yeah, and then the Bigfoot Hitler. No, that uh, was oh, me. Yeah. Was that me? Oh, that was, was you? It you? I thought oh, it was that me. was David. That was 100% David. Yeah, it sounds like a me movie. It, it does. It does. I I love how he brings us these artistical masterpieces that like everyone critically is like, they're amazing, and we're like, they're awful. <laughs> True. Well, I can see how he gets fooled, though. I mean, Ethan Hawke, I can think, oh, okay, well, maybe it's good. Or Sam Elliott, maybe this is a good a good movie. Uh, and then you no. see Jim Gaffigan and you go, hmm. <laughs> Jim Gaffigan dressed as an 1880s walrus. <laughs> Please end it on that note. I was going to say, to be fair, Sam Elliott really did an amazing job with his part, at least, uh, in, in his character. Not so much uh, Ethan Hawke with Tesla. But who did a worse, better job? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and don't forget, you can find Blurry Photos, blurryphotos.org, and everywhere else uh, if you search Blurry Photos Podcast. So, for Derek and Justin, uh, I've been David. This has been Nights at the Round Table. Bye. <laughs> Have a good night. Bye.